Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Daniel, we're back. We are. It's a bit of a shame today. You know what I realized earlier, Daniel? So our, our Alex is not here today. Um, this is like the first time Alex hasn't been on the podcast in what is oh. it, 170 episodes? Yeah, it's gone back and forth of Alex and I or you and Alex and then now it's other Alex here. And welcome to the podcast, a fellow member of, I don't know if we're allowed to actually say the name of our school anymore. The creative school. You just say the creative school. Oh, no. The, the creative, the, what, what's it called now? The, uh, the J school at the creative school or something. That's terrible. But anyway, welcome to the show. Alex Baumgartner. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Um, kind of sad that there's not a two Alex duo here today but maybe next time but yeah i really appreciate you boys for having me on no no problem man i mean the panthers have been such a and you're you're obviously a panthers fan um but they've been such a fascinating team the entirety of this year so we knew our last episode we did a sort of double feature looking at both conferences seeing like how ht would match up we got to the panthers and like i said you know let's hold off because we wanted to have you on first and foremost so you grew up in florida that's right yeah, I grew up, spent my first 18 years there Okay. before moving to Toronto. How did that happen? So, if you want to dive really deep into it, as you can see, there's a Swiss jersey behind me. Mm-hmm. My dad was born in Switzerland. Wow. Except his dad, my grandpa, was always moving around for work. They moved to Tokyo, lived there for 12 years. Then they relocated or located to Canada. So, they're in Canada. That's where they set up shop. They've been there since. So my dad became a Canadian citizen. Um, Through that, he went to school in the U.S., stayed there. He's a pilot there now. So luckily for me now, I have a Canadian citizenship and a U.S. citizenship. So uh, that's how I'm in Canada. That's why I like Team Canada and Canada for everything. And that's also how I lived in Florida for the first 18 years of my life. That's a pretty fascinating story. Man. Cool. I was I was wondering why around the Euros I saw you doing like Switzerland. So I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Wow. You like go on the Jumbotron or something too, didn't you? For, I, was, like, a I was um I was on the fan zone in front of Tower Bridge in London. So <laughs> that was pretty interesting. That's pretty sick. So okay, it's it's good to know that you're like your team can in that because I feel like that was gonna be a little bit of an obstacle here on the show, especially like Daniel here is the biggest world juniors fan you will ever oh. know. Um, if, I, if I could flip my, my camera right now, I got the black team Canada Jersey right in front of my setup right now. So I love it. Maybe. First off you, that Panthers Jersey behind you doesn't have a name on it. Unfortunately not. Oh, okay. If you had to pick one, except like, let's say like going back a few years, because I think nowadays it's way too easy, like bark up or something. Who's your favorite Panther growing up? Growing up. Wow. So <laughs> growing up, they all sucked. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> quite frankly, I, I don't mean suck, but uh, pre Huberto draft, the guys that we grew up watching were David Booth, Stephen Weiss, 
to some extent, Nathan Horton, Jay Bomaster is down there for a bit. Sean Mathias, you know, not amazing NHL player. Jay Bolmister, obviously, potentially a Hall of Fame player, kind of a fringe guy in my opinion. But nonetheless, it's probably the best guy I just named. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't grow up a Panthers fan. Okay. Um, I, my dad and grew up in Montreal for a couple years. Okay. So I was a big Habs fan growing up. Oh, there it is. How did yeah. we lose you? How? I'll tell you how you lost me. Um, I am now working for a network in Florida, Five Reason Sports. I'm the lead Panthers writer. I host the Panthers shows. I run the Twitter account covering the Panthers the entire season. You get really familiar with the players. You also kind of realize how important a Stanley Cup would be to a small hockey market like Florida. And that's even if I work somewhere else one day, the fact that if Florida can somehow, you know, let's win a playoff series first. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about the Stanley Cup's a little bit too, um, too far in the future right now. Well, maybe, but yeah, just success in a small market like that. We saw it in Tampa, um, hockey, youth hockey. I grew up playing youth hockey in Florida. Youth hockey has been picking up a lot. When I played, guys weren't going to the OHL to D1 college, really. Maybe a handful of guys from each birth year. Now, we got a guy, Seamus Casey, who's on the U.S. National Development Program, who is easily going to be a first-round pick if he continues on his progression in the next two seasons. There's also multiple teams that have went to national championships from Florida over the last couple seasons specifically our 04, 05, 06 AAA teams, and we're competing with the best teams in the country. So, yeah, if the Panthers keep doing playoff runs and, like, get more successful, kind of like the Lightning have been doing, in the next 15 years you're going to see a lot more NHL players from Florida. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times on this podcast we've just kicked and screamed about growing this game. So, I mean, you know, it, it's really funny you talk about that because um, in, in Sarah Sivian's athletic article about the, the Hurricanes um, signing D'Angelo, there is this kind of talk about like the love of, of a small market team. Uh, before we get there, go, I, I hate that we're, we're deep in the hockey because before we, we go there, I wanted to mention. Um, so, yeah, you're a big Florida guy, obviously. So, but, you know, obviously since going to Ryerson, maybe there's, there's been some Toronto sprinkled in there. Um, so I do have to ask, with Kyle Lowry leaving for Miami, how does that make you feel? So I actually really like the rappers growing up too because my grandparents lived in Toronto. I spent a lot of time in Toronto. Um, not as big of a fan as the Heat, but I watched all the playoff runs even when we had Primo Pasta over there playing. But, um, yeah, I'm happy Kyle's coming to Miami because he can still play basketball. Um, Toronto is still somehow getting disrespected, even though they were NBA champions just two seasons ago. Um, Miami's making a really nice team. It's going to be a team where it's going to be a lot of fun watching Kyle Lowry there as a Heat fan. I know as Raptors fans, I don't like the Heat people really aren't going to like it too much because, you know, Kyle's our guy. Kyle is Toronto. There's going to be a statue of Kyle Lowry in front of Scotiabank Arena. That's going to be the <laughs> first Raptor statue. So it's sad to see him go, but I'm happy that he's coming to a place where the culture is very similar to Toronto, plays pretty similar basketball um, from the ground up. You know, Raptors are very good at picking up players from the G League. The Heat are very good about picking up players from the G League and undrafted. So I think it's a really good fit for him. 
you love to see it. We, we've had guys like Donald Hickney on talk about like Lowry oh, and Baldwin too. And you know what? It, it, it's, it's bittersweet to see him go. I won't lie. Um, also, also kind of looking at, you, you mentioned the playoffs there with Tampa. You know, I, I think, by the way, side little note here. Um, I think if Montreal ever ran into a series of the Panthers, you know, there's been some underrated feisty games, like going back, like the Domi sucker punch. Domi and <laughs> there have been some, like the, the, I think it was Mackenzie Weger and Paul Byron a couple of years ago. Uh, there, there's some feisty stuff, but I mean, you look back at the playoffs and there was nothing more as feisty. There may not have been a better playoff series than Tampa and Florida in the first round. So being a Florida guy, you know, in Canada, we, we saw, we talked about the hype of, of the battle of Florida, but as a Florida guy, what did that series mean to you? So watching the Panthers play the lightning eight times in the regular season. um, First of all, let me throw it back to growing up in South Florida. We don't like Tampa, not the team. We don't like Tampa, the city. Respect to them, but when we played state championships in high school hockey, you played the Tampa team in the finals. So my team would make the finals every single year except one, right? So 11th, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, I played state championship stuff. We played Tampa teams. It was the feistiest hockey I've ever played. A lot of trash talking, a lot of beef. We did not like the kids from Tampa. Same thing goes with people that aren't playing sports, but they just live in South Florida. They don't like Tampa. So Tampa fans have been very talkative lately, rightfully so. They have two Stanley Cups in the last two years. They have three. We have none. But I was very excited for this series. Um, I went to the, the last regular season game between the two teams where there was like 160 penalty minutes. Wow. I was at that game. That was the first game I went to since the pandemic. So what a hockey game to be at. Um, so many penalties, so many fights. It was nasty. And you can kind of foresee what was going to happen in that playoff series. So that going into that, I was just really excited, really excited for that. Mm-hmm. You, you got to think it's, and I, I'm, I'm sure you must hate looking at this. I think some fans do, but I, I can't help but question not, am I bitter towards Tampa a little bit, but like what the Panthers could have done if they didn't run into probably the most, like the best constructed team in the cap era, because they were, and without Aaron Eckblad too. I mean, the, like it was great hockey and man, you don't see a lot of those sort of, it reminded me of, Oh, this is for Alex here. It kind of reminds you of that 2017 Leafs team that is just the excitement. They go and surprise, but man, there's just something with that Panthers team, man. Yeah, um, you know, funny you mentioned cap. Let's not get into that in this episode. But yeah, Aaron Ekblad was on a potential Norris Trophy caliber season before his injury. Um, he was the cornerstone of that back end. I was doubting Mackenzie Weger heading into the season on if he could be the number two. He was the number two, and then he became the number one. And I'm so surprised, not surprised, I'm so um happy that Mackenzie Weger was able to really show he can play top two minutes so for the Panthers to go six games using three different goalies against the team that eventually went on to win back-to-back Stanley Cups it was nice but then again they have three cups now we haven't won a playoff series since 1996 so I'm not the type of person to be too happy that we lost the Stanley Cup champions Fair enough. 
Fair enough. Go ahead, Daniel. Mm-hmm. I guess like Alex, like looking forward with the team that was constructed by Billy Zito, how confident are you with him as the general manager moving forward or with the move he's been able to do? Um, if you look back to the previous two GMs, I'm going to say two because it was Dale Talon, Tom Rowe for one season. He completely screwed his career and then went back to Dale Talon. Um, going back to the bubble, there was one guy, I believe, drafted after Aaron Ekblad in 2015, or drafted after 2015, so we or Ekblad, whatever that was, or yeah, that was on that roster in the playoff in the playing round, and I think it was either, I think it was Brady Keeper. I don't even know if he was drafted, but it, it was some statistic that was crazy like that, where the Panthers traded a 2016. Um, they're 20. So Ekblad was 2014. So they traded a 2015 pick, which was Lawson Kraus. They traded Henrik Borgstrom this season, which was a failed pick again. Um, and then 2017 to Owen Tippett, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So Dale Talon really didn't have a clue on what was going on. I remember when he first came, they were calling it the blueprint. They were putting billboards everywhere. This is the blueprint, blueprint, the blueprint, whatever. Then they got rid of the blue jerseys the next season. Then it's We Are Red or something like that. So they were trying to hype up Dale Talon for being, you know, Stanley Cup champ, multiple Stanley Cup champion in Chicago. You get Huberto, you get Barkov, you get Ekblad. But then again, you're getting these guys top three picks. It's very hard when you get like three straight drafts, three out of four straight drafts, you get a top three pick for you not to have good prospects. It's the later rounds that they just couldn't get it right. And then you look at the contracts that Dale Talon was given out. Dave Bolin, terrible contract. Then you had to dump Lawson Krause in order to get Dave Bolin off the books. You had, um, you know, Brett Connolly was one of those contracts that Bill Zito was able to get off the books. And then Keith Yandel was part of the Tom Rowe slash Dale Talon era. That was a terrible time as a Panthers fan because you fired Gerard Gallant, which you shouldn't have. Then you hired Bob Bugner, who was clearly not ready to be an NHL coach. They didn't have anything going right. I think Joel Quenville kind of saved the progression of this team. And then the team had enough. Bill Zito had to come in. Dale Talon had to go. So looking at Bill Zito's moves now, I remember at the beginning of last season, he had like 13, 14 plus Panthers that weren't on the team last year dressing games. Then you trade for Sam Bennett, who put up, I think, 15 points in 10 regular season games with the Panthers. Um, And he put up five points in five playoff games with the Panthers. And you get Sam Reinhart. You find Carter Verhage from Tampa. Um, There's just so many different moves that Bill Zito was able to make where you look at the Florida team now on paper, that top nine is extremely deep for a team that two seasons ago got bounced in four games by the New York Islanders. You know, it's it's funny. I forgot about the row stuff, but that weird kick yeah. talent upstairs for a single year. Uh, Daniel, I, I, the moment he said Verhage, I saw your eyes. Just lit up. So <laughs> go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Yeah. So Alex, we have a running joke on this podcast. Um, so, like, you know how Carter Verhage was drafted by the Leafs? Yeah. But he was, like, traded before he ever played for them. So, we call him a Leafs legend. 
on this podcast and like we, Mason Marchment. Yes, of course. Yeah, like Mason one, Marchment. One of many Leafs legends. Yeah, that um we just love the guy. We love that he's been succeeding. So I guess can you tell us more about like what Carter Higgy means to the Panthers? It was funny. I was watching the first game of the season. Obviously, there was no preseason last year. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Dan Levitard show, but um you know, they're like the biggest thing in Miami. They they used to be at ESPN. They left ESPN. Now they're with Metal Arc, Metal, yeah, Metal Arc Media. They're all Panthers fans. So I was tweeting at their producer Roy Bellamy and I said, "This Carter Hey guy looks really good. That's before he did anything." I think he had a goal and assist and he was contributing in like two or three of the goals in the first game of the season. I was like, who is this guy? He looks pretty good. And then he continued to like keep playing really well. And then Barkov got hurt. Barkov was out for like four or five or six games or something like that, like a stretch Verhage picked up the scoring and everyone's like, wow, Carter Verhage doesn't really need anyone to be on his line. He can drive the offense. I think it was him and Duclair who, when Barkov went out, they were able to just drive the offense. I'm pretty sure they might have played with, I don't even know if it was Wenberg or Achari. The center depth at the beginning of last season compared to what it is going into next season is absolutely different. But um, sticking on the Carter Hagee standpoint, he is kind of reminding me a little bit of Jonathan Marchessault. They're both smaller players that are fast, but they can get the job done. And Marchessault had that one great year in Florida, and then Dale Talon happened, and the expansion draft happened. But it's really cool to see Carter Verhage um, play like that. I'm happy he got an extension this early because I expect him to have another really good year, and the price probably is going to go up. You get him for two years and a million each before his extension kicks in. It's really good um, front office stuff by Bill Zito. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I'd like to ask about is all these signings that like we had Will Christophilus also on the show that he mentioned yep. as well, that there's these types of signings that Billy Zito for some reason was able to find all of these gems. So like really at like very cheap. And I was just like wondering, like, what do you think that's going to be like moving forward in terms of like, do you expect these players to have that same type of production or are they going to like, we're going to see a bit of a decrease or just the way the team's been able to acquire all these other guys that this is a more complete team going into next season. I think Zito, the front office staff and Joel Quenville all took gambles on players. So Gustav Forsling, which was one of Q's players in Chicago, I think got cut from Carolina, and they picked him up on waivers. He drove down from Carolina to Florida, and he played a couple games, and he got hurt, jumped right back in the lineup. He was playing top two minutes down the stretch, and I think Gustav Forsling is the most important pickup that Bill Zito made in his entire tenure because for you to be able to find a guy who is – fast skating can play two-way hockey off of waivers and he can play top two minutes it's like you can't get defensemen like that you're gonna have to pay top dollar as we've seen we're probably gonna talk about that later we will we will (laughs) for you to get him on a three-year bridge deal and then get anthony duclair who's another guy you took a risk on three-year bridge deal and then sam bennett gets did bennett get four i think bennett got four years right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so 
none of these guys are getting those long contracts that we saw with Talon. Where I saw the quote where Dale Talon's like, we started with four with four years on Matheson. And he's like, I want to be a Panther. So we went to six. Then we went to eight. So we gave him eight years. What? Like, th- this is what I'm saying. So I was talking with Adam on Twitter about this. I think these bridge deals. So obviously there's the cap flexibility they need in the future because I think the Barkov extension is going to be fine. They'll get that covered. What you have to worry about is Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto coming up very soon. It's going to hit you quicker than you expect. But most of these contracts, as of right now, looking at it, are very – they're not that bad. Like, if, if, it, if they all go down the drain and they can't play hockey again, it's not like the Bobrovsky contract where it's $10 million and you still have five years – $10 million a year and you still have five years of that. Carter Hagee at like four or something like I, I can check um cap friendly right now and get you the number, but it's not a high AVV. Neither with Sam Bennett for a guy that's been a proven playoff performer and he can play that two way game, the physical game. I think the Panthers are doing the right thing with getting these three, four years, four year deals because these guys are entering their prime. Look at all the roster, Ekblad, Bennett, we haven't had the Reinhardt contract yet. That's going to happen. I think they're just trying to get the, um, the the term right right now. But all these guys are going to be on the team for multiple seasons. So, yeah, you haven't won a playoff series yet. So you might not win the cup next year, but two years down the road, when these guys have been together for so long, yeah, maybe they could win a cup. So I think that's why they're doing all these shorter contracts, and I think that's why everyone's buying into it too. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. You know, I in our conversation, I think now looking at David Krejci being gone, I, I think it's a real possibility that the Panthers are going to finish second at the Atlantic, worst at, at third. Tampa, I mean, just Tampa or whatever. I can't. can't. For Hake, he had like a, he he was there for the first cup, or not the first, but he was there for the bubble playoffs, wasn't he? Yeah, Verhage Ver- did win a cup with Tampa. I don't know how many games he played in the playoffs. He played a couple. I don't know if he played any in the cup final, but he was on the roster. It's just sickening. Yeah, being a Mar- when you talk about Marcia, so I'm like, man, they, I hate they move on from everyone. It just doesn't affect them. It sickens me. Sickens me. Sickens me. You mentioned Bobrovsky there. And also you talked about like the goalies or the carousel that happened um, in the playoffs. Um Next year, you would a lot of people are straight saying Spencer Knight, Spencer Knight, Spencer Knight. Uh, I'm not really convinced it's going to be straight away Spencer Knight, just because I don't think it is going to be Spencer Knight straight away either. Because mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you look at young goaltenders, right? I mean, like Carter Hart last year, it was like like when we had Baldwin on. It was again, it's a reminder that development is not never a straight line, right? Where do you see it? Do you think Bob is it the case of whoever wins it in training camp? Is it going to be Bob or is not going to have the, I mean, it is Quinville. So we probably not going to give the rookie the inside line, but uh, how do you see the goaltending sort of duel shaping up for the Panthers to start? So I'm going to take a lot of heat from this, from Panthers Twitter. Mm-hmm. Spencer Knight is the goalie of the future. He's their most valuable prospect right now, mm-hmm. but I keep telling people Carter Hart, looked amazing just the year before last season. And then we saw what happened this year. And that's a young, young goaltender. Look at some of the guys in the NHL. Like there's a rarity where guys can jump in and perform right away. Like Carey Price started very early, but remember 
there was that conversation of if it's Halak or him, and Halak was playing those playoff series. Guys don't remember that. You see how the guy's playing at 28, 29, 30, but Spencer Knight turned 20 years old in April. He's going to be 20 the entire season next year. Sergey Gabrowski still has two Vezinas, and he isn't playing up to his contract. There's no doubt about it. But if he was making $3 million a year, no one's calling for him out of Florida. They're like, we need a real goalie competition. I honestly believe Spencer Knight will make the team out of camp mm-hmm. unless Sam Montable has an unbelievable training camp. Absolutely unbelievable training camp. I think Spencer Knight makes the team out of camp, but I think Bob gets most of the starts and they let Spencer Knight kind of ease into it mm-hmm. because he looked amazing in game five. Unbelievable. But also, Bobrovsky, this is like his redemption. He needs this now. Because he played better last season than he did the year before. But then again, this team went to the playoffs. And I went to all the playoff games for the Panthers at home. Um, Bob played good game one. He did play good. Like, I know he gave up a lot of goals. But a couple were on the power play. He had the breakaway um, game winner from point. He made the big saves some of the times. So, I'm not 100% convinced Spencer Knight gets the job straight out of camp. Now, if they make a playoff run, which they should, then maybe Spencer Knight gets the go-ahead. But we have to see how it progresses throughout the season because it's a young goalie still. Mm-hmm. He's only 20 years old. I think we're all older than Spencer Knight on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, 22 in October. Um, so, oh, God, I almost lost my, my train of thought there. Uh, and also, like, a little thing is, I think well, a lot of people got to remember, and to many of our chagrins, 82 games next year. Like, a, a young player is not going to – like, they're not going to – like at 56, yeah, it was a grueling season, but that grind of 82, I want to say the season's maybe a week shorter than normal and that, and then who knows if there's an Olympic break and the All-Star game and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a, it's going to be a rather long year. Uh, Daniel, go ahead. Um, one thing that you did mention, Alex, was about the play of Aaron Ekblad. And for us, like we did, we do a lot of um, preseason predictions and he actually was my choice for Norris. And I know that defensively, they take a lot longer to develop. And what we really saw was what Aaron Ekblad can be and, like, what I think a lot of Panther fans kind of envisioned. So can you, like, tell me more about, like, the type of player he's become and I guess, like, what's going to be like it for him to bounce back from this injury for next season? As you mentioned, Daniel, defensemen take a little bit longer to develop. And the problem with we see with all hockey Twitter – is if a guy doesn't have a good year, it's like trade him, trade him, trade him. Even before last season, the amount of times I saw people saying, trade Aaron Ekblad, trade Aaron Ekblad, get him off the team. And then they all fall in love with him. I'm just like, take your time. Yes, we're seeing, like, we see guys like Quinn Hughes, like, make a crazy jump offensively in the NHL. But defensively, Quinn Hughes isn't the greatest defend, like, defenseman, you know? And it's rare when you have a guy like Kale McCarr just absolutely show out like that. But also, Colorado was a better team than Florida was when Aaron Ekblad made the jump at 18 years old. Ekblad's playing like a guy that any team in the NHL would want as a number one defenseman. He's a number one defenseman at this point. He's going to make Team Canada. If he's healthy, he's making Team Canada. There's eight defense spots. I don't see a reason why he's not one of the eight guys, especially since his buddy Lou is one of the GMs. Um, it's not crazy for you to say that Aaron Ekblad's going to win the Norris. Um, you know, 
No one expected Adam Fox to win the Norris. Uh, I think Ekblad's become that shutdown defenseman who is now turning his game offensively up. Because if you saw him run the power play, he booted Keith Yandel off of his job, basically. Because the only reason Keith Yandel is even on the power play is to quarterback it. And the second Ekblad became, became the quarterback of the power play, it became more efficient. Keith Yandel didn't make a lot of mistakes because he wasn't getting the puck. And it made Keith Yandel look better. Then Ekblad got hurt. They gave it back to Yandel, and now he's a Philadelphia Flyer. But Aaron Ekblad truly is turning into an elite number one defenseman. And I think Panthers fans are really accepting that now. Nylander for Ekblad rumors. I remember them. Oh, very yes, well. those ones. Very, very. <laughs> as much as I love Willie, I would not like that trade whatsoever. This is one I really wish we had. Um... Our Alex, Alex, our Alex, our Alex. Uh, Daniel wanted to ask about Barkov. Yeah, um, so we know his contract is ending soon. And we absolutely, like, again, we love the guy. He was also, like, our, our choice for the Selkie Trophy um, in Good our call. preseason. Yeah, in our preseason uh He was yours. He was yours. He was mine, yeah. Was, Sorry, I didn't want to I didn't want to boast too. too much. Yeah. That was my MVP. But I guess like we're finally showing now with what you talk about, like with the Panthers, that they're building a contender, that they're showing that they could keep talent around him. So I guess like what is the extension gonna look like for Alex Barkov? And moving forward, what's gonna happen in terms of like how are they gonna secure like a contender around him like for the first time? Uh, extension, I haven't heard anything from any of my sources, but it should be eight years, and I expect it to be in the ballpark of at least 10. Florida has no state tax, so a $10 million contract in Florida over eight years pulls in a lot more money than a $12 million contract for eight years in Toronto, and that's just the truth of it. So you get the discount on that contract as the, the same way you're going to get discounts on every single contract you sign in Florida. That's why Tampa has been so good. It's because you get Braden point for 9.5 Braden point on an open market would make at least 10. I would assume. Um, I would say Barkov gets at least 10 and they're, they're going to open the checkbook for him. But I think Barkov is a very unselfish guy. He wants to win. Um, when I talk about unselfishness, he donated, I think, Every goal he scored, it was either $1,600. I think it was $1,600 to the local children's hospital. Really? Yeah. yeah I didn't hear about that. Hey, eh? wow. Yeah, yeah. Only only Florida media was talking about it. But he def- I, I saw the picture. He donated the money after the season. But he's truly a class act guy. And talking about his worth, work ethic, we used to play a game at the training facility back when I was younger. And I saw him as the only guy in the ice just ripping pucks, firing 60, 70 pucks. And he looks at you. He scares you, man. Me and him made eye contact. And I'm looking at him, this big Finnish dude with the craziest snapshot I've ever seen, just ripping him off the bar. I'm like, this guy's going to be an absolute phenom in a couple seasons. And I think that's exactly what's happening. You know, I was um, when I was looking at some contract stuff earlier today, before I remembered that he plays in Florida, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if open market he got a max contract. Like, not exaggerating. Like, uh, you know, I remember one of the few goals against the Habs I've ever, like, vividly remembered was, I think, Brett Kulak tried to 
to dump it in or whatever. Barkov intercepted, turnstile Victor Mete. You know exactly where I was at that game. That was his first career hat trick. (laughs) Oh my God. Through beats Carey Price. I remember just thinking, I'm not even mad. You know who got the game winning assist? Dennis Malgan. Oh no. Current Leafs legend. Current Leafs legend. You just at some point you just have to sit there and be like, I gotta appreciate the talent here. And you, for years, every time the Panthers, there's been some sort of this is going wrong. Like the first rumor is, is Burkov want to go out? And it's like, no, the Panthers aren't gonna give that up. Um, Daniel, anything else you want to ask about the Panthers? Um, I guess Alex, what's your prediction for them next season? Ooh, okay. Um it's hard for me to go against Tampa. But Tampa is not the same team they were last season. I know they got that uh, nice little Seabrook contract for LTIR, as, as always. But Panthers, you know, you get Sam Reinhart, you get Montour back, you get rid of Yandel, who was an extreme liability on the back end, and that opens up a roster spot for, say, maybe a Matt Kierstead they signed from uh, University of North Dakota who looks fairly decent or another guy you'll bring in at camp. You want the hot take? Sure. They might make the cup final. Wow, we're going there. Okay. I didn't say they would win. I think the goaltending situation is the biggest thing for me. If the goalies are hot, if, if you had one goalie that was hot in that first round, you beat Tampa because that first, that first game doesn't happen where they, they score five or six goals or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think if the goaltending situation is what it should be when you're paying a guy that much and then you have a first-round pick like that, you could make the cup final. I mean, to be fair, the last two teams Tampa have defeated in the cup final, uh, great goaltending the whole way, couldn't score a bunch. So if you have an offense like uh, Florida, you get some goaltending, uh, you could you could do more than just make the finals. And I hope if they do make it that they win, because I'll tell you, the feeling of getting that close and failing is not a good one. Not a good one at all. Um, I think that's everything for the Panther stuff, unless we've we've missed a story somehow, Alex, um, that you'd like to talk about. But um, I would say watch Jonathan Huberto in the next two seasons. Mm-hmm. I'll tell He's you guys after the podcast, but... Okay. All right. <laughs> watch watch Jonathan Huberto. You're gonna want to win some games. That's all I have to say. Okay. All right. All right. I, some insider information. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. Okay. Just speculation. It's really funny. I was gonna. I was gonna. I think I was. I was gonna ask Alex about anime, and he thought I was going the Huberto the Montreal route, and just immediately was like, "No, the French connection's <laughs> not happening." I was like, "Y'all trust me." And I, I know. I know. Okay. So we talked about defensemen and maybe some bad contracts. So cap friendly kind of tweeted out the top six defensive, like cap hits from 22, 20, uh, 23. So I decided to speak, like take it a little further. And I looked at the top 15. So first off, what's really, really funny about this is, is the 15th highest paid defenseman in the league is Victor Hedman. I just wanted to point that out. $7.8 million is his cap hit, right? You have John Carl. Wait, I'm sorry. There's 14 guys that make more than 7.8. Yes. That's insane. Okay, Ekblad makes 7.5. Yeah. Oh, oh no. He's, he is 18. There's a, there's a bit of a, a, a technicality with Oliver Ekman Larson. We'll get to that, though. But yeah, Ekblad, 7.5, three years remaining on that deal, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, that, move, sorry, I just want to know, Adam, who is between 
um, Ekblad and Hedman. Um, I, I, one of them is Shea Weber. The other ones okay. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to because I just wanted them and I knew I needed to get Ekblad. So um, 14, uh, 13, 12, and one all make $8 million. That's Shabbat, not bad. Truba, Burns, and John Carlson. Uh, number 10 is actually technically number 16. It's Oliver Ekman Larson because obviously that contract is now retained. Technically, it ranks 10th at 8.2, but right now it's 7.6. So that technically moves Shea Weber up to 15 at 7.8. Obviously, he's not playing tier. Um, then you have Hayskin in ninth, Petrangelo eight, McCarr seven, Hamilton six, Yossi fifth. Those are all around the um, mid eight to, to uh, early nines. Seth Jones will be number four at 9.5. We talked about that albatross. Uh, we're going to skip number three for a second because number two is still Drew Doughty. Uh, number one is still Eric Carlson, 11.5. And at starting in the 2022 NHL season, making 9.583333, higher than Seth Jones, his former teammate in Columbus, Zach Wierenski gets that mammoth contract. And oh boy, the tax to sort of save the reputation of your franchise in keeping one guy was pretty high for Columbus, wasn't it, Alex? As much as I like Zach Renzi's game, if I was a GM, I wouldn't give him more than six, and that's pushing it. Mm-hmm. And oh, and I something I forgot to mention: the word is that Darnell Nurse could be getting around nine million dollars. If the well, I don't, I don't know what Edmonton wants to do if they do that, because <sighs> Connor, I wish you the best. Say, man, I mean, you know. Talked a lot about that top four and what happened with that. So, we, what did I? Would we say? Oh, that they probably have to pay Darnell Nurse that money for him now to stay. Do. Yeah, now they do. Oh, for sure. It's just it's so much worse. Like I'm not gonna like. Obviously, you don't want to pay any of them nine million dollars between like Nurse, Wierenski, and Jones. I have the least problem with Wierenski, just because at least like some of his war numbers were still good. And Joe, but obviously you don't want to. I thought like seven. I thought like they'll get him at seven, like no problem. They have to. Yeah, seven with the Columbus tax, you think. But freaking 9.5? You think they were, he was just licking his chops once Jones left? He's like, all right, they're going to give you. And and there were, the worst part is, is like a a week ago, there were word that they were listening on trade offers for him. I actually thought that was going to go that way because I thought with the way Columbus is like, accumulating so many assets that they were just going to trade every valuable asset they had. Except Boone Jenner. Except Boone. Yeah. You have to resign Boone Jenner. World junior legend. Yes. I think, yeah. What is it? His final game. It was against Rush. He like speared one of the players. Really? Yeah. And then that was, it. I remember him steamrolling some random guy. I think he might've got suspended. I'm not sure. Is Boone Jenner the next captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets? Because, like, who else is left? Oscar Brookstrand? You give Zach Wierenski that much money, might as well give him the C while you're at it. I don't know. It's like him or, like, Voracek because he's back. Ridiculous stuff. Um, Okay. So, by the way, if if you were not excited for the start of the season, ladies and gentlemen, a.k.a. especially the second day when the Rangers were going to take on um, uh, Washington, you're going to have to watch it even more now because Ryan Reeves is now a member of the New York Rangers. Now, famously, and I think Jeff Merrick was the first one to kind of put this out there, there is a report that that um, 
Ryan Reeves once said to a team at free agency, I'm the solution to your Tom Wilson problem. And apparently, and this was also on a recent 31 Thoughts podcast, apparently that was to the Rangers a couple of years ago. I don't know about you guys, but, and I, I've, Alex, just so you know, on this pod, I've been very vocal about just how ineffective I really think Ryan Reeves is. And I think there's a point to, he wasn't playing in the final games of the Hab series, but that's just me. Um, but it is still going to be must watch television. That second day of the season, uh, Daniel. Yeah, um, I was really surprised the Vegas Golden Knights kind of traded him because once you get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury, he's kind of like your marquee kind of guy. There's like of the classic 2018 team. Um, so it's going to be interesting because, again, it's like another guy where it's like, what's your bottom six going to look like now? Like, I know you have Barkley Goudreau at that really weird cap hit, but then you're going to have like Orion Reeves that you're going to have to be forced to be playing there. And I, I've said this before where like they said like a solution to someone fighting Tom Wilson or like having at least another agitator there. I think like they had it with Brendan Lemieux, but before they traded him, but to get Ryan Reeves now is just, it's just too obvious for me. They're like, we know what you're trying to do. That's fair. Alex, what do you make of the fact that they, they made sure the Rangers would give him an extension. They give the respect to Ryan Reeves, but Mark Andre Fleury was sort of chucking it in the pin. All right, so Vegas, I like how Daniel's like classic 2018 team. <laughs> like, Vegas hasn't been in the league at all, but you're playing a nice market. Uh, does Vegas even have a state tax? I don't think they do. Nevada, I don't know if they have a state tax. Maybe that's why they get, I don't know, they're paying their players a lot anyways. But look, if I'm a, if I'm a pending free agent, why would I want to go to Vegas without a full no movement clause? Actually, why would I want to go there anyways? Because it seems like they can get guys to waive no movement clauses. Um, Mark andre Fleury is a Hall of Famer. He was your marquee guy when you took him in the expansion draft. Um, I don't like how they treated either goalie. Um, I don't think Robin Leonard deserves anything he's had coming at his way. But the, the whole Fleury thing where you have to find out via trade or via Twitter that you got traded and then the guy – who is the guy that said the statement, the GM or something? He's like, well, I told Flurry we were looking at trade offers yeah, over the last fair. couple. Like, if you told me a month ago, like, yeah, we're, like, looking to trade you. And then 30 days later, I get traded. And I check on Twitter. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to Chicago. Well, thanks for telling me, buddy. I know. It's it's the just the disrespect towards, like, the, the guy who's there. You know, he was legit. Like, it, it's been said a lot, the face of the franchise, but the like the flurry donuts thing where he would get a shutout, like the Enterprise commercials, I think it was. Like, the guy was a star there. And he, like, and there is no nicer guy for that to happen to uh, as well as Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, so, by the way, mark your calendars October 13th. Uh, Montreal play the Leafs, but at the same time, uh, if you like the face punching, you might want to tune into the other game. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know what? Robin Leonard, what a class act too. Like guy speaks his mind. Uh, just, I love him. Real, real gamer too. Uh, another, we kind of mentioned in the past, and David Krejci is apparently leaving the NHL. He's going to play in the Czech Republic. Uh, there's some family reasons in there, but what I really want to talk about with David Krejci is, has there, there's always that player poll of who's the most underrated player in the league. And the easy answer is Nick Baxter, Sasha Barkov. But I think legitimately David Krejci might be the most underrated player of the last decade. And it is so ironic that the moment they got him the right winger he's needed for that decade, 
that he leaves with Taylor Hall. It's it's really sad, man. I feel really bad for them. But David Krejci, what a career. Yeah, he did what he could. Um, it's going to be weird because every time I see that second line, I always think of David Krejci. And I know that I've joked before, Adam, about Jack Stednika yes. finally making his move towards the lineup. But it's, it's, it's kind of interesting now because, like, I think Brad Marchand has also mentioned it as well before that this is like, he knows that this is a team has like a, what a two, three year window. Mm-hmm. And then to lose a significant part of, of that core is, is something that's going to be pretty disappointing. Like I've, I'm not harking on Boston that they're going to be horrible, but it's certainly not going to be like a full strength Bruins team. No. And um, like, who are you guys maybe seeing an internal replacement? I know there's been word on some guys, but I mean, like, how do you feel the role of David Krejci? You get Jack Eichel. No, 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 no. He's coming to Montreal and the centerpiece is Jesperi Kakeniemi and it's going to be a good time. Jack Eichel is going to Anaheim and he's going to like it there or LA. He can go, go to the West, no. stay out of the Atlantic. Don't do that. No, Man, the Atlantic is, it's just how, how much longer until Detroit's up there? Because Iserman is just a wizard and it's sickening. Builds a championship in Tampa and then just goes, you know, I'm going to go right to Detroit. And I'm going to clean up Ken Holland's mess. I can't wait till he goes and does it in Edmonton next, probably. He keeps following him. <laughs> yeah, I'm just cleaning up his mess. Like, stop signing these contracts, damn it. I'm still trying to figure out Danny the Kaiser. Stop it. I'm still paying applicator. Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Alex, did you know that the longest term cap hit in Detroit is actually the, the applicator buyout? It's longer <laughs> than, than Larkin, than Verona. It's longer than everyone there. It's hilarious. Where are we now? We are. A, Steve Eiserman is definitely the guy you want to go clean up someone's mess. Oh, um, yeah. You know, like you said, when is that turnaround going to happen? They've done pretty good in the draft. I like some of the moves they made in free agency. They got pretty young guys. Like I think, I think they got some really underrated guys on that team too. Uh, Bert Bertuzzi for one. You know, mm-hmm. they can turn it around quicker than some people are giving them credit for. I think everyone's banking on Ottawa because of their high draft picks in recent seasons. Look out for Detroit. Mm -hmm. Hey, I wouldn't blame you, man. Um, Looking also at the Atlantic division, we touched on Jack Eichel there. Uh, His agents have been very vocal about the fact that he has not been traded yet. Uh, Probably expected around the draft, even free agency. It's still going on. Uh, They released a statement. I'm going to quickly give it a little read here. Uh, This is from Peter Fish and Peter Donatelli. Uh, In response to the Sabres statement regarding being in control of the process, Jack Eichel under contract and other comments, we offer the following response. The process is not working. As previously stated, we fully anticipated the trade by the start of the NHL free agency period. After the agreed upon and prescribed period for conservative rehabilitation lapsed in early June 2021, it was determined by the Sabres medical staff that a surgical procedure was required. The recommendation by Jack's independent neurosurgeon, other spine specialist consulted, and the, surge, uh, and the surgery Jack feels most comfortable having in order to correct a herniated disc in his neck to proceed with artificial disc replacement surgery. A further point of concern is that our camp was initially under the impression that the Sabre specialist was in agreement with the artificial disc replacement surgery until that was no longer the case. What is being left out of the discussion is that Jack would be able to play in the NHL for the start of the season pending medical clearance if he were allowed to have the surgery he desires 
even as this date, and this was tweeted, by the way, on July 30th, I should say, um, uh, repeated requests have been made to the Sabres since early June to no avail. Uh, no avail. Sorry. This process is stopping Jack from playing in the NHL and it is not working. Now, gentlemen, if this was to put more pressure on this, uh, on the Sabres to trade him, it's only been four or five days, but it doesn't look like they're budging here. And I don't know about you, Alex, but I kind of get flashbacks and this is on a much larger, larger scale and the injury plays a part here. No, no doubt. Uh, it's kind of reminds me of when Joe Sackick took his sweet time trading Matthew Shane and then just got the biggest Kings ransom we've seen in recent memory. You agree with that? Um, kind of. Matt Duchesne wanted out for a while, but also Matt Duchesne wasn't as big of a NHL star as Jack Eichel is. Mm-hmm. You know, Duchesne's a really good player, and he was really good in Colorado before they had their crazy playoff success if you know what i'm trying to say um jack eichel captain of the buffalo sabers most drafts he would have went number one if you know mcjesus wasn't in it so it kind of just baffles me how a guy really wants a surgery this is your star player and you don't want him to get it mm-hmm. like if, if it's hurting i i know there's there's protocols and everything and the team doctors and the staff has everything to say about it but it sucks when a guy wants to get his surgery and you won't give it to him. You also won't trade him. And then everyone else has been traded from that franchise. Everyone, you know, yeah. like Ryan O'Reilly, Evander Kane, um, Sam Reinhart, Brandon Montour was let, let out. You gave Jeff Skinner that crazy contract, so you can't trade him. But it's like Jack Eichel's the last one there. It's, oh, it's- line too, yeah. And, and he was, and Ristolainen was the guy who for years, it was like, please get rid of me. And they just kept him there, the poor guy. Uh, but no, it, it's like a thing of like, it's my freaking body. Like, and if, again, I don't think he's going to go to a neurosurgeon and that guy's going to be like under the table. Like, this is a good way to get out of the ball. No, he's going to tell him his, that's, he's paying him. And he's probably paying, paying ridiculous amounts of money for the best opinion. You guys seen that stuff about Nathan McKinnon that came out from like a interview with Nikita Zadorov and saying yeah. like he pays this money to his nutritionist and he's this crazy. Imagine what Jack Eichel might be spending on a neurosurgeon to get his proper opinion. Like honestly, uh, like the dam has to break because it feels like now with the Sabres, we're just going in circles and circles. Like just, if you really want to get rid of him, we'll take him in Montreal. Like, please. It, it won't be a problem for any of us. Um, okay. So I'm actually thinking just because Daniel, um, first off, Daniel, I know you need to go somewhere a little later. And obviously we don't want to take up too much of Alex's time because we are absolutely awful with uh, keeping guests on for too long. Marc-Andre Fleury will report to the Blackhawks. So the question I will ask you guys, and as I ask this, I will uh, bring up daily face off to just quickly uh, show their lineup. How good are Chicago? Now, I'll just bring up their projected lines here. We know it's going to be probably Lankinen and Flurry. Flurry will be the guy. The defense is Jones and McCabe, DeHaan and Murphy, Caleb Jones, and I've never heard of, of Wyatt Kalniak. I don't even think I'm saying that right. Have you guys? Is he real? I don't think he is. I don't know. Daily Faceoff had Riley Stillman as their number one defenseman like two weeks ago. And considering he was like the eighth guy in Florida before he was traded, I was looking at that back end and I said, wow. Mm-hmm. Like Henrik Borgstrom even played in the NHL last season. He barely played the year before. It's not a good team. 
it's really not a good team. They got good pieces. It was very mind-boggling for me that they just didn't even tender Pia Suter. Yeah. yeah. That, was like, a- that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Looking at this roster right now, why wouldn't you tender him at least? It's like, and his his advanced numbers are really, really good. Like, and you bring up Borgstrom, and like, I listen, I like Jujak Kyra as a depth signing, but you're the Blackhawks, so you know how important center depth is. I just, like anyone in the NHL does, like, how do you not bring him back? I know he played some wing as well, but I, I really, really liked that player, and that was an example of, man, Detroit had to get him, but ah, uh, Chicago, I remember, who was it, who tweeted that they were in the same realm as Tampa and Vegas, by the way? Who was that? Oh my goodness! Who said that? <laughs> it was somebody. Somebody tweeted out this thing of with the acquisition of Seth Jones, the Blackhawks are in the same realm as Vegas and Tampa Bay. And you're just thinking, excuse me, like is is Seth Jones like? Let's let me ask you this: At Seth Jones at his best, was he at the level of Duncan Keith at his prime? No. Was he the same as useful as a player as Brent Seabrook? Ah, you see, you can have a discussion there, but other side of the puck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I just um, I was maybe I was being a bit cheeky, by the way, Daniel, when I said without Kaprizov, I put Minnesota uh, below Chicago. Now looking at their roster a little bit, I'm kind of questioning that. It's just the way I see with Chicago is like they have the really good players going, but they have a lot of question marks. Where like. You know, I bet on Dylan Strom two years ago, and then I don't know anymore. Like, he's going back to his old habits. Or we don't know what Jonathan Taves is going to look like after a year off. Or Adama yeah. Kubalik after a sophomore slump. Like, what is he really to you? Like, mm-hmm. is he going to really still be that scoring guy? And then really the only certainties I have there is, like, the Brinkat and Patrick Kane. And and, Clay, and uh, Kane's declining, man. Like he'll still put up like 80 points in the sleep, but I mean, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame you, Daniel. Remember at the beginning of the year when I said Dylan Strom's going to break out this year, he did not. Uh, but you know what? Uh, they're going to get wins, obviously, because Kane can still take over a game even at this point in his career. Flurry is a good goal. Um, I know Will Baldwin will disagree with me on that, but um, but still, not a bad guy. Um, Beside that, we'll finish up quickly here. We'll talk about very quickly the Leafs and the Habs, as we always do here. Um, welcome, Alex. This is today. Your job is to be very upset about the Leafs, like our Alex's. So um, the Leafs, really funny enough, looking at the signings of Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha. So the Leafs have signed up a pair of Anaheim 2014 draft picks, who were both traded to Boston in the 1920 season. By the way, I I, I know this looking at their TV pages. So. What's kind of fascinating about Andre Kasha is he has offensive talent. We know that he can score 20 goals. He's done it once before, but the issue you kind of have with him in the big gamble is if you look at 18, 19 of 82 games, he played 30 of 1920. When he got traded, he played 55 of a possible 70, 71. That was the COVID shortened season. And then if you look at this past one, three games in 56 of, of through 56, I should say, uh, there is no player, I think, there is the bigger question mark about if they are healthy than Andre Kasha, Alex. So how do, how do you see that fit? Where do you think – what does he do for Toronto? Toronto's going to have a lot of guys fighting for those last couple forward spots, and it's going to be very interchangeable. Mm-hmm. They tender Dennis Mulligan, and I'm a Swiss supporter. He was also in Florida. Mm-hmm. He plays a good game, and he tore it up last year in Switzerland. So I think there's a reason why they wanted to bring him back. Mm-hmm. So 
I feel like these are the types of guys that are going to be fighting for those like fourth line minutes, maybe third line, like third, fourth line minutes. I don't know how much that moves the needle for Toronto. Um, you know, look at some of the other teams in the Atlantic, like Boston took Nick Felino. Um, that was mean. You know, Florida has guys like Lundell coming in, Duclair's back, Sam Reinhardt. Uh, Montreal just came off of a Stanley Cup final run. So I don't know how much that moves the needle for Toronto. I think Toronto has a lot of things they have to figure out because when you have that offensively gifted of a top six and you can't make it out of the first round since like the entirety of that that entire core has been together. Um, t- Toronto had a pretty decent bottom six last season. They did. Uh, some like Jason Spezza. <sighs> That guy can still play hockey. And mm-hmm. we see a lot where the bottom the bottom six guys are really valuable in the playoffs. Unfortunately, I have to go back to hating uh, Corey Perry because now he's a Tampa Bay Lightning player. You're breaking my but, heart um, right now, Alex. You're well, you, you, saw, you, you saw how he played in Dallas. You saw how he played in Montreal. Like You need guys that can perform on those bottom lines because in the playoffs, specifically with the Leafs, when your big boys aren't going – when they're not going, you're going to have to rely on offense from other places. And, you know, yeah, they're a good regular season team, but this is more about what are you going to do once you get to the playoffs? Mm-hmm. And how much is he going to move the needle? Well, we have to see. He has to stay healthy first. That's very true. Uh, and I, I didn't realize this until today. I'm a bit ashamed of it. Nick Ritchie's from Orangeville, which is um, – I grew up right outside of Orangeville, Alex. So I, I – Special place in my heart for Nick Ritchie. Um, am I overthinking it? Thinking, oh, okay, is this just kind of a, a sort of cheaper version of, of Zach Hyman? Big shoes to fill, but yeah, I don't know. It's it, he kind of fits that mold. And Don Cherry, um, will be oh very happy about this. Yeah, I think with that, um. Daniel, can you go? Because I still have to kind of accept the fact that we just compared Nick Ritchie to Zach Hyman. Oh my goodness. You know, again, like we've, we've talked about it before. I love Nick Ritchie ever since the world juniors, ever since he was a ducks pick. And I just, the way it just didn't pan out the way that he thought, like the way a top 10 pick should be. Um, It'll be interesting what they're going to do with him. I know that we saw like what projected lines are going to be. It's weird to me that they put him in the top six. I guarantee you he's starting with the Marner line. I guarantee you. Oh, my goodness. He played 15 games last season. I'm telling you, man. They'll try it. But, again, like what Alex said, like there's so many guys. 56 games. 56 games, 15 goals. I don't know why I said 15 games, but, yeah. No problem, no problem. But, yeah, it's like what Alex said. Like there's a lot of moving pieces with Toronto, especially on that left side. And it's going to be like the Alex Galchenyuk experiment with all of these guys coming in. It's like – Okay, if you're not going to be in the top six on the top line on the left side, you're going to be put into the bottom six. And we're just going to try to find a place for you. Like, I'm going to put like Richie, Kasha, and Mike Bunting all in the same category right now. And it's pretty interchangeable. I think that's fair. Uh, Alex, are you over the shock of what I just did? (laughs) Well, I feel like every good team has a Zach Hyman. I think Brendan Gallagher is very similar in a sense where they're both smaller guys that will, they, they don't, they don't have the most offensively gifted abilities as mm-hmm. some of these superstars, but they managed to get it done time and time again. Um, 
I haven't watched enough of Nick Ritchie, you know, past Anaheim to really know how he will fit in. I know that Toronto likes taking gambles on guys that used to be like pretty good. I mean, we saw they tried to take a gamble on VC. They tried to take a gamble on Galchenyuk, which it kind of worked a little bit until he thought he was playing for the Habs. And then, you know, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I agree with Daniel where there's going to be a couple guys that are very interchangeable. Mm-hmm. If they're not playing that left side in the top six, they're going to be in the bottom six. And there's multiple guys on this Leafs roster that are going to be fighting for that. And Toronto, you know, we saw it last season, a lot of those guys they brought in, they didn't stay the rest of the year. Fair enough. Um, we all remember the great uh, Vancouver taking everyone off waivers. That was. Um, so just to finish off here, I, I meant to say this at the start of the show. Uh, happy 100th birthday to the late, great Maurice Richard today. Um, she, no one underestimated greatest of all time, by the way, I'll say that. Um, just There's not much talking about what the Habs, to be honest. Um, Paul Byron is out for a few months. Who knows what's going to happen there? That kind of explains the um, all the wingers they seem to have brought in. Um, we also know Archery Lekkinen has now been... Ooh, oh, hold wow. on. My, my Zoom thing is in the way. Um, oh, that's sick. That's amazing. It's a little... Happy birthday to Maurice right there. Makes me sad. Makes me sad sometimes. Um, Also, shame on the Habs for losing that. I want to say was the, was it the game against Tampa game three when Miss Bellabo was in the arena and they lost? Oh, yeah. How dare they? Those bastards. Anyway, um, so beside that, the only RFA left assigned in Montreal is Jesperi Kakiniemi. Also, apparently his father uh, is having surgery for cancer. So our best wishes to that. Mm -hmm. Um. And one more thing, I just wanted to mention this because I was looking at all the contracts and the, the connections with all the new coaches in Montreal. Uh, Alex Burroughs gets a three-year extension. Uh, Dom Ducharme obviously got his three years. Luke Richardson had the three years. Uh, now, there are two things I want to mention about Eric Raymond, who was the new uh, assist, uh, the new goalie coach, sorry, and um, they were on the new assistant. I can't remember his first name, but it's Litowski. Uh, both of them worked under Dom Ducharme, the World Juniors in 2018 when they won gold. I just thought, like, my favorite thing is kind of Alex mentioning, like, just how inbred hockey is. And it's like, oh, of course they worked together before. Uh, and a fun thing about Raymond is he actually worked with Jake Allen for the Montreal Juniors in 2008-2009. So uh, there's, your, there's your trivia for today. I believe that's everything, unless I've just completely missed something. Um, again, we'll, we'll talk about Evander Kane next episode, just because we're going a little long here. Um, I think that's everything. Yeah. So first off, Alex, thank you very much for being here. It was a pleasure. Um, you, you, I know you, you mentioned some of the stuff you do earlier, but if you just want to plug everything you do, go ahead. First of all, thank you both for having me and other Alex too. Next time, let's hope everyone's on the podcast. But um, yeah, you can find my work at Five Regions Sports mainly. As I said, lead Florida Panthers writer, during the season, I have my weekly show on their YouTube channel called In the Box with Alex. I also run their Twitter at FifthLine5R, so follow me on Twitter at abomgartner 91 mm-hmm. I'm also the founder and editor-in-chief of the Intermission Sports. If you like seeing university students kind of dive into the professional sports realm, we have about 400 articles there, a couple different podcasts, and video content. So intermissionsports.com, you can find that stuff too. Okay, and uh, we'll, I'll try to remember to link all your stuff uh, into the episode. All right. Um, beside that, thank you for listening. I'll, I'll pre-record the outro and I'll just put it in. Let's not waste any time. Okay. We will see you all later. 